0: We're joined today by Dan Hyde and Alex Blondin of Everything is User Experience. Um, they're the kind of company that you might not expect to find on a podcast like this. Uh, a How would you describe them? A, uh, a consultancy that helps businesses to communicate better, to understand and articulate who they are better. Um, but the reason we felt it was really interesting on is not down to the fact that Dan and myself um, are friends from many moons ago, and that he was a co-founder of the the magazine uh, that, that that we we jointly set up back in two thousand and three. Construct Ireland uh, before before long before it was rebranded as Passive House Plus. Um, but because I've been talking to Dan recently, and uh, starting to try to get my head around the the vexing issues of how we as a sector communicate the importance of sustainable building, how the businesses in the sector um coherently describe who they are, what they are trying to do, and, and why it's important. Because it's just it just feels like this is a huge piece of the equation that has been fundamentally lacking. And you know, I, I think there are some 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 basic tenets. Everybody understands for the most part that you know that there is a climate emergency. Uh, and that we need to do something about it people like the idea of having low energy bills and being comfortable and so on but uh it just doesn't feel like there's been much in the way of a kind of grand vision and and uh collective understanding of, about how to message this how to do it in a consistent way and in a meaningful way uh, so as not to lose people so yeah um dan and alex thanks for joining us on the podcast
1: cheers thank you yeah Um, I wouldn't agree that it hasn't been successfully achieved in a meaningful way. It's just the wrong people Mm. have been successful in achieving their ends, communication (laughs) ends. I mean, if you look at something like climate, uh, carbon footprint as a a term, like that was invented by the oil companies as a means of uh, inculcating the idea of personal responsibility. Like, you know, wow, that is successful. You hear it everywhere. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, point, pointing the finger away from themselves towards all of their customers.
1: Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they, you know, they're very good at it. They're corporate. Yeah. They they're they have an engine designed to enable them to communicate effectively, to communicate their goals and their ends. Yeah. With the green building sector uh, and all the associated industries, there's none of that. There's a lot of, particularly green building. I mean, when you and I started out, Jeff, a long time ago, uh, it was... Uh, it felt very much a hobbyists and hippies uh, collective. Yeah, there wasn't a thing there. There was no industry to speak of. I mean,
0: it was a lifestyle choice, you know, yeah. a countercultural thing, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, ra- but, rather than something more meaningful, more serious, you know.
1: I mean, a foundational aspect of what we set out to do with the the magazine originally was create a a, a hub or a fulcrum, like something. That could act as a uh, uh, something that could help to galvanize an industry, mm. because like climate change is dictating a single direction of travel, you know, survival or extinction. The direction is the same. It doesn't really make any odds. Mm. Uh, but no one's no one was really listening to uh, the hippies, if you want. Yeah. But for the way we were, uh, mockingly uh, referring to them way back then. So we called the magazine Construct Island with a sort of hidden, I mean, not so hidden, double meaning. You know, it was designed to be conservative enough a title not to be alienating to uh, a change-resistant industry, but it suggested enough promise uh, in it that uh, you could you could project onto it whatever you wanted. Uh, that seaweed salesman, who was he? Oh, was Mickey Mac, product. Michael
0: McDonald's. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Renew Island. Oh, you wanted us to call, to call it renewal? Yeah, we. I I have to say, my inner teenager, when we were setting up the magazine, really enjoyed the idea that uh, a regular builder or or architect could pick up the magazine, expecting to find a bog standard construction trade magazine, and be bombarded with this sustainability propaganda. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but can I can I so can I ask something? Because I think I think I mean. I'm a subscriber to the MAG. I think it's brilliant. And I think uh, I think it has galvanised a certain sector or a certain segment of construction and, and retrofit uh, market. But I suppose the question now is, how do you break out beyond that? Because, you know, I don't know about you, Jeff, but I often find that the people the people that want to do this are on the same journey generally find each other. Yeah. And I tend to find them, myself having the same conversation with people at Letty or people at Carbon Co-op or, you know, go to the same presentations and we all say, oh, you're doing a great job. And that's great. But how do you, I suppose, how do you break out beyond that? Because there's a, a big old part of the market that's still just continuing business as usual. And I think whilst we have banged the drum for, you know, uh for, the built environment, and climate change, and that to be connected, and I think that is more connected now in terms of the dots than, than it ever has been. It's about how you how you force radical change beyond their own sort of echo chamber. I I I, I don't know the answer to that. It's just a it's just a question. Uh,
0: yeah, I don't know if Dan or Alex have anything to well, to add on I think, that.
2: I
3: think certainly there's a one of the big um, things to, that we need to tackle is on the communication side is the fact that not not a lot of people really know. Uh, about this so as Mm -hmm. you say you're talking to the same people you all know a lot about these things together but you think about the the wider you know, market, the wider society, people, even people like myself and, and Dan, before we got into understanding more about the construction industry, it's a it's a rather nebulous concept and all these new ideas that they individually they've all been around for a very long time, but coming together in, in what we're talking about today is something very new. So there's a lot of um uh sort of teaching people and, and helping them understand things and the way you can do that is actually through communication. Better communication really is the key what we believe obviously uh to, to really pushing things forward. It's the only Way look at the big companies of how how much they spend on communication, et cetera, et cetera. They can do a lot of things, whereas we are very much hampered because we don't have those budgets, that breadth, that experience. So we need to to really focus the message, and, and as we were saying earlier, is is making sure that those messages are are harmonized and also adapted to the different people who need to hear them. And I think that will be the thing that will make it
1: much easier to break out of that. To, yeah. to that bubble. I mean, the, the key thing is uh, storytelling. Mm. Proper storytelling. You've got to have stories and characters that resonate with people. Uh, and different people respond to different sets of archetypes, story types, like however you want to, to cut it. Like we were talking with uh, Dana Iopt Assets, mm. uh, who you know well uh, yeah. about this. And like trying to come up with a central story which tells the expansive nature of what your product actually does now and the potential it offers I mean, if you're a product designer in terms of, like, physical products, he does Internet of Things, uh, but you're not a storyteller necessarily. (laughs) You're just not. Like, you're a technical person, so you need this sort of outside support. Um, I mean, somewhat cynically, uh, I think that the time is most apt now. I mean, peculiarly, peculiarly, given that we're so, uh, I mean, dismayed, at the lack of progress with COP26. There's never been a better time to get these stories out and make a difference because you can see in the, I mean, we were inspired by what's happening in the financial services markets with the, the move towards ESG messaging, ESG, environment, social, governance. So uh, a triptych of core concepts that these companies are marketing themselves on or they're marketing their, their uh acknowledgement and limitation of environmental impact, mm-hmm. their, their social responsibility, and good governance, which has always been central to, to any sort of uh, investing mm-hmm. approach. And this has grown exponentially over the last four or five years, just came up out of nowhere, it mm-hmm. felt. Uh, and uh, I mean, a lot of it's garbage, <laughs> a lot of it's just. People chatting. I mean, we say greenwash, it's more than greenwash because it covers more than just the environmental part. Yeah. But I mean, we, we worked in marketing and I mean, the, we were just dealing with the same brief again and again and again, and people saying the same things. Well, actually ESG has always been central to what we do or changing the definition of sustainability to suit to their, like yeah. one, very famous investment bank. Uh, we worked with one of their, their head of sustainable finance on a, a messaging project. And he rather candidly stated that, well, five years ago, we used to refer to ourselves as a sustainable bank because we hadn't gone bust in five years. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know how flexible fluid this can be. And these are serious people. Like, oh, We found ourselves like where, when I first joined, because I've always obviously had an interest. Like uh, when I first started working at that agency and first started getting access to uh, influential people or people who might know, like I was too feared to talk to them Mm -hmm. about anything, uh, sustainability, environmental, or climate change related. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember mentioning uh, climate change to one hedge fund lady in New York. And uh, man... The fact that I advocated for the fact that in the middle of the uh, aberration cold snap that New York was feeling, that it might be an indicator that climate change was happening. I mean, she went cold on me. (laughs) me Like, you know, just like an ideological uh, position was stated and she just didn't like me after that. Like I I lost that client. It's it's, it's a madness. And then I find myself uh, four years later, Uh, without a tinfoil hat on my head, having a conversation with the head of sustainability for uh, NatWest Markets, Hmm. speaking with her, uh, asking, so how do we reconcile uh, the prevailing economic or the incompatibility of the prevailing economic system with the finite nature of our planet? (laughs) (laughs) And instead of like her shutting down the conversation, Mm-hmm. Uh, her eyes widened, her mouth opened and she nodded smiling at me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know, this is, this is a thing we've got to deal with. Uh, like the world has changed. And, yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. See, see the same thing you're saying, the, I mean, the world has changed and and I, s- I suppose the concern for me and Alec, I think you summed it up really quite well there is, is that there's a narrative that has to be, uh, a, a message that has to be articulated but don't you think at the same time in this pivot moment where uh, and I'm not trying to portray dark forces, but th- at the same time, there's people that will try and fill that gap in terms of what has to be done with with not the right message, with not the right solution. And don't you think there's a, a really critical? Um, if we just talk, Jeff, about the kind of built environment, what's going on here in our little in our little world? You know, it's about what we what we need to do and how that doesn't become watered down. And how I was talking to Russell Smith, or we were, I think it was one of the things over over COP, and and he was saying, look, a lot of this stuff around hydrogen, and the smoke screen for actually stopping what we need to do now. So it's how you I suppose how we come together as an industry and, and those people that we talk about that gravitate to each other. Yeah, how, how do we, how, we
0: shut down the nonsense?
2: How do we yeah, <laughs> uh, you know what? He says it's much more, much more better than me. That's a sign of a TED talker. Yeah, you know? it's just just
0: no, it's it's so important though. And this is the fundamental difference, I think, between communications in this area yeah. and, and communications normally, in that, you know. Uh, you could in your past life have been uh helping people who were who were uh, sell, selling whatever they, they were selling so long as it was good for their business that was yeah. that was all that mattered yeah. we're dealing in a situation where there are uh, th- there are crises that we're facing and the consequences of the ways that that we act and the, and the businesses that we're talking to act um can have a profound impact on that uh there are right and wrong ways of approaching this um yeah. and in this kind of um you know Postmodern discourse that we that we still sort of have, where where there's this, where where we operate in a in a, in a system where people different different truths are regarded as being sort of um, equally valid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that when it comes to matters like um, you know uh, building physics and uh, and uh, and climate change and so on, that's just not the case. Yeah. Mean, you know, there there are right and wrong ways of doing things. Yeah. How do we? Uh, c- communicate that fact and mm-hmm. how do we get that to be accepted and fight through all the noise and the marketing mm-hmm. kind of jargon to stop to stop that messing
2: you know? see that see that noise i mean so over the last couple of weeks um on linkedin linkedin has, has been running a, um it's been running two things it's, it's a a gas uh a gas advert you know about the the the, the benefits of gas over coal well yeah okay uh, I mean, really, is, is that our choices? It's an American ad. Yeah,
0: it's the benefits of of, of getting slashed you, with a knife rather yeah, than shot ex- with a gun. It, you know? Exactly.
2: Yeah. What, what kind of wound would you like? Um, <laughs> of the the, the least, the less dramatic of the two. And the other one I've seen just now, and this is slightly contentious, is hydrogen. Now, hyd- I think hydrogen's got a big role to play in certain sectors. You know, you only have to listen, to guys like Michael Lee, right, to know what those sectors are. They're certainly not for heating buildings, that's for sure. But I think there's there's also an onus on these organisations to. To to in some way qualify uh, the dissemination of information, especially adverts like that, to say, you know, is is this really right? Um, but I think it's how we I think you're right. It's how we cut through the bill. I
3: think, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's it's a conscious choice. Um, anyone you can. Nowadays, you've got so many ways of communicating—very powerful ways. Uh, social media being one of the biggest ones, you know, of the mm. last what ten years now, I think already. But it's we we all have, as individuals and organisation, a choice to choose about to to choose what we say. And I think the key to get through the noise is really about that that, that term I use is harmonisation using. Terminology, uh, that people start recognizing. So if you start creating patterns in a way that you talk, I think it's something that orators do where they use these certain keywords and people start recognizing them and, and going, ah, yes, I'm seeing the pattern there. If you, if you do that and you can get other organizations that, that follow the, of course, the same values as, the, as you have or we have, then you can start creating something that people across across the board will start recognising. And that is probably one of the better ways to, to fight against this noise that is just a bit of a mix and it's very complicated, difficult to understand. But again, coming back to this idea of helping people learn yeah. and then having a message that is consistent and repeatable that people can reuse. And if you believe in what uh, in what is being said and this is the right thing to do, then that is a way to, to break through.
2: Mm, that's interesting, yeah. I, th- I, th- I think it also needs, to, in my opinion... And, and I don't think this is particularly controversial. I think it needs leadership at a local level, because I think what you get is a lot of kind of statements. And COP, Cop was all about statements, wasn't it? I mean, really, but it didn't really mean a lot.
1: How could you expect any serious action to come out of that I know. nonsense? I, know. I mean, you know, uh, what's his name? Boris Johnson. <laughs> there asleep. Joe Biden, similarly, asleep. Like oh, yeah, these yeah, people yeah. who've stifled the conversation, obfuscated, yeah. uh, sown seeds of disinformation. You know, like Johnson's been a big advocate of the other Corbyn's uh, work, uh, Piers Corbyn's climate change denialism, like for a long time. And he's leading the debate. Hmm. Like, yeah. it's farcical. <laughs>
2: Yeah, some of this stuff was disingenuous to be isn't it? Especially. And I think also it was criticized for not well. If his heart's not in it, he's not going to come in the last 48 hours. But I think um I, th- I think it's I, I for me, I think what we have to do is, and sometimes Jeff, you've said this before, it becomes it can become overwhelming. And you've said this too, you've said it much more, much better than me, but it can all become so overwhelming to the extent you feel paralyzed and what you can what you can do. But I I, I do think in, in the built environment around heating our homes and, and which is a significant you know con- contributing fact to, to, to climate change we do need strong local leadership and i mean that probably at local authority level you know some of the big housing associations and, and actually putting into practice some of the some of the the, the measures we need to do because only then because if you wait for for the consumer to do that consumers are paralyzed by what they have to do just now i think
0: yeah well this is, this is it and it's it's about uh, would you agree dan alex that i mean um You know, because we're dealing with um, uh, people in the the side of the sector we're on tends to be involved, tends to be, have been historically driven by people who are kind of probably more interested in being right than being liked uh, or (laughs) more interested in facts, you know, um, and and in getting into the the technical minutiae of how to do it. you know, you don't win over people with facts, do you? You know, it's, it's, it's stories that, that, uh, that, uh, that, that we need to communicate and to do that in, in, yeah. in a, in a kind of consistent way. Do you think that this is something that if you're, if you're approaching, if you're talking to a company in this sector is, would you, would you say that, that, that j- they just need to focus on external communications or is it more, mm. um, is it more than that?
1: Ah, oh, it's more game of thrones than that. <laughs> like you've got to think about the power, yeah. like uh, the reason it's it's not necessarily a failing of communication that green building hasn't taken off as an industry. It's also down to like bog standard economics mm. and how uh, the economics associated with those industries plays out on the political landscape. Mm. So if you look at uh, what's changed with planning regulations over the last few years, like a, I, I live in a leaseholder block and we learned relatively recently that Generic, Uh, one of his uh, master strokes was to remove planning permission requirements for sticking two stories on any sort of block. Uh, I can't remember the the threshold it has to be within, but like Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's farcical and that's, you know, grace and favor work.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Like it's Mm -hmm. not a, it's not a cogent economic approach. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the same can be said of uh, the whole, I mean, look at, Mm -hmm. uh, look at heat pumps. Mm. <laughs> Five grand for thirty thousand heat pumps, but we're not going to talk about insulation. We're going to criticise the men gluing themselves to the road instead.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, do you know what I think is really poor? So um, a friend of mine's listening, Jeff's to a TED talk. So I think it's excellent. Um, but what what I think your argument, Jeff, is it's how you can be more about lifestyle and comfort, and that's what's not been done. We seem to be caught up in the the arguments around you know very kind of technical arguments around performance and. Uh, I think that what, what we've been talking about collectively is about um, health benefits, um, economic benefits, environmental benefits, well-being, all that kind of stuff. That's not been articulated. I don't think it's been articulated. No, extent.
0: exactly. And, you know, um, <clears throat> to bring the wrong kind of circularity into into this discussion, I mean, I, I, I started off by by mentioning the fact that um, that this stuff can't be just a lifestyle choice. In other words, I don't think it should be a hobby you know green building um at the same time <clears throat> how do i get to this position without seeming like a massive hypocrite um <laughs> we um we, we need to to try and make it and i hate this word again um it's, it's the kind of word that has to be said in in uh i'm, I'm reminded of um <laughs> it's, it's the word aspirational um, i'm reminded of uh of, of stuart lee the comedian talking about um about describing uh david cameron Um, and Ed Miliband when they were both leaders as two rats fighting over a courgette in a urinal (laughs) except for the the David Cameron rat was wearing chinos to appeal to the new vote (laughs) so I think the word aspirational should be said with chinos on um, but uh, as where I was going with that but um no the point is that um that uh you, you you're trying to show people that uh that Irrespective of, of you could be the biggest foaming at the mouth uh, mm-hmm. climate denier, you know. You could be Nigel Farage, um, and you could still want to 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 live. Who who wouldn't want to be in a comfortable building, you know, um, and a building that doesn't cost them anything to heat, and, and a building that where the value uh, yeah. is protected and and the, defo- the default default risk is reduced and so on. So it's it's trying to get that across and tra- trying to, to win over people's hearts and minds in that way.
3: Yeah, that's right, Jeff. I mean, again, you, you use the right term as people. Again, to come back to what we talk about is users. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's real, actual real people. So if you're talking technical and only technical, You're not really going to win the hearts and minds of the people who are actually living and using these buildings. Um, I think a good analogy, actually, if you think about where we do talk about technical stuff and people love it, is your telephone. You know, Whatever telephone, the tech specs, the latest phone has come out. It's got this 45-megapixel camera, and it's got this ARM Cortex processor. No one knows what it means, but what they do know, it means that they're going to have a fast experience, they're going to have beautiful pictures, and they're going to share their family pictures with people that are absolutely amazing with all these filters. So really, it's about understanding if you're going to talk about technical stuff which is important nevertheless but you have to turn it in a way that actually makes sense to people what does it equate to when you've got a heat exchange system that is you know removing humidity out of the home well it means that you are not going to fall as ill because you don't have as many spores in the air or whatever Uh, those are the things that you need to think about when you're talking about retrofit or any other thing is what are the stories what are the values that people associate to these things yeah. Rather than just a technical, you know, this and that, this
2: and that. I think that's. I just. I think that's so important. It's possibly where we've we've gone wrong because we are a technical team, and, and sometimes we do talking and, and with with customers, tenants in the abstract. But I think you're absolutely right, and I think it just it goes back to, you know, how you are providing something that is societally better, is economically better, because we did some we've shared some figures before in, in Scotland. I know it's just part of the UK market. It's two and a half billion pounds spent on heating homes a year. Two and a half billion. And that's that's just you know, if anyone came along just now and said, bye, I'm gonna hit you guys with two and a half billion pounds worth of tax, do you know what? You'd be like, no way. I mean, that that you know, if you look at that in terms of the ability to put some of that money back into society, into some of some people's households, that's that's transformational.
0: Well, the question I, as well I'd add to that is for what? Yeah. Um, which is you know, in other words, um you know what quality what amenity are you getting for that money um, exactly. and uh, and i dread to think what those figures will be uh, you know once we've been through this winter for instance as yeah. well um but you know um, the scenario we're used to where people are you know if you if you have the money uh, to heat a building properly well good luck with trying to achieve uh consistent comfortable temperatures in a yeah. in a crappy building um yeah you know, uh, no matter how much money you have. Um, so it's, you know, uh, uh, you know that, that, that experience of being in buildings that are always too hot or too cold, the oscillation between between the two, you know.
1: That's a fundamental issue with the, the housing market, particularly in the UK, and I, I presume Ireland as well, where homes are not viewed as places to be lived in, they're viewed as assets to accumulate wealth. I mean, that's that's how the, they, they've shifted. Yeah. You know, uh, we were talking just before, Duncan, you know, previously there were caves, and I'm talking you know, <laughs> pre- and post-war, uh, prior to 1945. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, they weren't necessarily uh, fabulously fit for human habitation. They were better than, you know, yeah. what had been before. They provided a degree of shelter, but not a, necessarily a degree of comfort. Yeah. It was only the more affluent people who could afford that proper degree of comfort.
0: Yeah, um, it was worse than just a cave, Dan. It was a cave where you took the fire and put it
1: inside the cave and <laughs> <then you> breathed <laughs> that in.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a pub I used to go to in government. Um but, but what... like,
1: like we we we've not really we can't appreciate the, the value of our homes beyond that. So comfort right. is always a much lesser issue. Yeah. Like yeah. You don't you 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 don't necessarily think about it. You just well, people
0: haven't experienced it either, you know. Well, yeah. people haven't experienced it either. So I th- I think that's that's yeah. part of the problem. Sort of, I was trying to address in my um uh my TED, Ted talk as well, or TEDx I should correct. It's much yeah. much less significant to TED. Um, um, is that you know uh you're you're trying to to give people a sense um that the way they the, the the experiences they're used to having in buildings. Mm-hmm. don't have to be like that uh, you yeah. know uh, stuff that they that they may consider to be just a fact of life uh, the, yeah. the discomfort that you put up with um it doesn't have to be like that there is another way
1: but this is something you've got to teach people yeah. and you you can't start at the end like if, if you're getting them to perceive their homes as places that can be comfortable not just accumulate wealth mm-hmm. uh you have to I mean, you've got to start somewhere, and you've got to lead them through a whole process because it's not—it's not like you can just uh, make your home more comfortable and realize the the value of what you spent on making your home more comfortable in the in a, a similar rise in the asset value. Yeah. Like you spoke ages ago on the podcast, Jeff, about that development in Wicklow that shift social housing that shifted to a passive house standard, and they spent thirty grand or twenty grand and. Uh, or well, spent twenty grand and got thirty grand on the value of the the property.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, Twenty five and thirty five. Yeah, exactly. And Wexford, not Wicklow, but Wicklow. But no details don't matter. So
1: if you're talking about if you're talking about retrofitting people's homes like you're not going to make that money back. You're not going to make it back on yeah. uh, value added onto the asset, nor uh, realizing the, the the gains of spending less on yeah. heat. It needs to come from somewhere else. Yeah. And I think what you're saying about uh, framing the value in terms of comfort in one's home is an avenue that needs to be pursued. Like mm. you, you don't buy a, a sofa based on its functional value. Like you can sit on it and it'll last forever. You buy it for its comfort. Yeah. But that's, I think that's
3: the point, isn't it? Is that when you're, when you're engaging in, even let's just talk about uh, an extension, let's say, and you've got different people, you know, as a, as a person who, who lives in a home, you're not an an expert. So you're relying on other people who ask. Supposedly, the experts in in advising you, you know, you need mm-hmm. to build it in this, you need to make it with this and that. If there is an aspect where you can talk about the comforts, and if people can actually start recommending, no, actually do this, you know, mm-hmm. make it more insulated, but but in this sort of uh, system, that will make it more comfortable. I think that people would actually be more willing to invest because people do. If you look at all these TV shows of people upgrading their homes, how they say, well, yes, this is my budget, I'm not going to touch it, and suddenly they go, well, actually, I just spent a bit more on this and a bit more on this, <laughs> and it turned into something huge to improve their comfort whatever the, their perception of comfort is. I think there is a big uh, opportunity to look at all the different, again, actors within this scene and get them to help people understand that there is a huge comfort uh, element to doing this. And that would be a really powerful way of of getting things moving mm. forward.
1: And this mm-hmm. is where it comes down to the user experience yeah. uh, paradigm, like uh, understanding what different groups want and understanding what their needs are, what their desires, their aspirations, Jeff. Uh, and... <laughs> Understanding how to communicate that the thing you're offering uh, will give them that or give them something uh, or give them whatever, whatever you can give them (laughs) within their their frame of, of, uh, within their frame of interest and understanding that not everything's going to be appropriate to everyone.
2: Yeah.
1: But you're not going to convert the people who are unconvertible. Uh, don't, Don't even bother with them. Move on.
2: See, at the same time, I listened to George, I don't know, somebody sent well, one, you guys or maybe I sent it to you, there's a George Monbiot clip about GDP and how we're, you know, we have to look at another model for how, and absolutely, I mean, Kate Rowe wrote about that in Donut Economics you know, a while back and, and I love it, um, but at, at, at the same time, um, you know, as, as, at the same time, we're fixated on house prices and that's all we that's all we read about in, in any of the papers is house prices is a sign of progress, you know, uh, we need to change that narrative as well, but Alec, from your European experience, is that is that a British Anglo-Saxon thing? Is that something that we are, as as a majority homeowners here, is that something that that is different in in, in the continent, or or how does it play there? Because we seem to be just this nation of homeowners that are only interested in the house houseplaces. It's
3: interesting. So I grew up in in the south of France. So I spent from the age of two to about nineteen living in France, and. Uh, um, as I remember it, and I don't think I can speak for the, the whole of, of France, but I always remember whoever I knew, um, the, the way that they grew up in their in their family homes, they were truly family homes. I think there was a lot more about, okay, yes, maybe if you were living in a flat, maybe there was more of that angle, you know, this flat is a good investment. But I always remember um, the people I, I got to know through, through school and later on as well. And even today when they become, they became parents and, and homeowners themselves, they were setting up homes, not so mm-hmm. much. Uh, a property that they can invest in and yes it's my home for now but in the future will be this and that there was always more of an aspect of i'm creating something here that is about family but maybe there is that angle especially in the south of france where living together that family you know having the aperitif around the you know the terrace were in the sun etc i'm saying Mm -hmm. it's all gray here but that's (laughs) an angle that there seems to be more prevalent in france i've noticed personally
2: yeah, I just think we've commodified property to the extent that it's, it's, it's just bonkers and and I know we had the you know the property bust a few years back. But you know, when you look at investment portfolios that people have in property, even like the buy to sit, you know, buying buying developments off plan just to keep them in that's 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 pretty nuts. But um but yeah. Well,
1: I mean, this this comes down to the economy, which is a whole different set of questions.
0: Mm. But
1: when uh value is accumulated within uh financial markets. Uh, you know, that's where the majority of value has been created over the last 10 years or so. Uh, but for ordinary people, the only access to that value, if you're outside the top 4%, say, is through uh, house price rising. Uh, if you were fortunate enough to be able to buy a property uh, in the 90s or up to the mid uh, you know, beyond that, I mean, you might get a little bit of cream, but it ain't the same thing at all.
2: Yeah. Yeah, to- totally. you guys want to tell us, we've been working on some 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 stuff around retrofit and how that message is conveyed at scale. Can you tell us a wee bit about some of the stuff you've put together on that, the the, the paper that you've written?
1: Um, I mean, to say that we've written it, I mean, actually, we did all the typing work. Well, <laughs> uh, like, when Alex and I set up this uh, agency, we decided that we wanted to do some good And so we were looking to markets outside of financial services, unless they were good people doing good things. Mm -hmm. Um, And naturally, I lent on Jeff because he's well-connected in the the industry and said, Jeff, can you introduce me to people, please? And so we just started having conversations with Fog. And just like yourself, Duncan, he said, uh, well, you guys will get on and you might be able to do a bit of work together. And so Mm -hmm. through this conversation we realized that we needed to find a way to demonstrate uh, to the, the construction sector and associated industries that we could do something useful mm. for them. And we had a bit of downtime. And so we spoke with you and spoke with Jeff and we hit upon uh, retrofit as a cause worth championing. And so we've spent some time just talking to people, looking for opportunities to to understand well first we needed to understand what retrofit even was and i'm still not sold on the name it describes the process (laughs) not the benefits but i I suspect we might be stuck with it until there's a big consumer push uh and and it becomes comfort fit or something (laughs) (laughs) um but uh yeah we were looking for a way to make it to make it real because there's a, a problem there's a lack of demand there's a lack of supply, there's a lack of expertise. Like this is a nascent industry that's only just growing, a bit like the one that Jeff and I approached back in 2003. Um, And so we've been scratching around trying to work out, all right, well, how can this be promoted? Because you can't knock knock down all the buildings Hmm. uh, and rebuild uh, carbon-friendly ones, because that in itself would be rather unfriendly. (laughs) Uh, The issue you've got to address is energy consumption, almost and so retrofit is a natural solution for that but how do you how do you stimulate things and so i think the 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 big change we realized that that was a cause worth pursuing so we didn't we didn't understand where we might take it and so you in fact introduced us to to rufus at bankers without boundaries yeah uh and he told us about his project which uh is about the decarbonisation of UK cities. Yeah, of which, which is well worth seeking out. Uh, oh, it's dynamite. I'll let you chop in what what that's called.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the how the the the, um, how the energy as a as a service is he, he calls it, it as energy as a neighbourhood service. I think is his paper is called and it's dynamite. I mean, I, when I read that, I was like, wow, that's really clever.
1: Well, I mean, getting pension funds to pay for the decarbonisation of UK cities Mm. in a way that's advantageous to them because it makes best use of their capital because they've got to deal in like hundreds of millions at a minimum uh, and provides a a good societal benefit, a good economic benefit, very positive, you know, stimulating local industry tradesmen, stimulating a whole new industry. It has the potential to follow the Preston model where Uh, the economy can stimulate, be stimulated, and it doesn't need to be stimulated in an extractive manner yeah. where the, the profits are taken offshore or to yeah. uh, larger entities. It can be circulated locally. It's an opportunity to build and develop standards. Anyway, so blah blah blah. We look for an opportunity like so. That just resonated wholeheartedly. Yeah. Like there's something in that. So from talking to you, it became clear that social housing, given the the, the scale, the means of controlling the whole ecosystem uh, was a perfect opportunity, like a, a test bed or seed bed yeah. for that aspect, retrofit. Yeah. Uh, and so we worked with you and Jeff to build a messaging framework which we're going to open source once yeah. in a, a, a more fit standard, purely focused on social housing at first and showing the viability of social housing as a sector, To test out retrofit and use it as a catalyst to stimulate a whole industry. Like, we've no skin in the game apart from presenting ourselves. Like, Mm. I've no shareholding in a retrofit training company or any of the the manufacturers. Uh, There's no political dynasty that we're leaning into. Like, we're just trying to do good things for some good people, just like yourself. And it's uh,
2: and it's damn interesting. I mean, I think that's the thing with what I mean with what you guys have done. I think it's exceptional. It's, and and maybe we can share that with with, with you know on, on on the pod. But essentially, what we're trying to do is we're trying to get retrofit at scale in order to change a market that needs to be changed. I think. Would you agree yeah. with that? Yeah, Cause, yeah. Because it's a big old scary place. Just now, as consumers, as ordinary consumers of retrofit products and that, and therein lies the issue. I think is because as as long as you treat a market. Uh, as consumers and sell them products, therein lies the the, the difficult part is how you sell solutions or how you sell life. Just what we're talking about earlier on with Jeff, how you sell lifestyle choices as part of a service. That's maybe that's what we're talking about rather than retrofit.
3: I think also one of the things that I was really struck by retrofit, and I I think it was you, Duncan, who explained it to me, is that actually the concept of retrofit really challenges the preconceptions. When you said actually the problem is, well, you can't really just suddenly go and switch out all the the gas boilers. That will never work out for a myriad of reasons. Suddenly, actually, if you think about where the real problem lies, and that's where retrofit gets to the heart of it, is actually insulating buildings, which then actually has this effect on So solving the other problem of the energy consumption. That I think is a really worthwhile goal to pursue. So if we can help communicate that better and and show people actually does if you think slightly differently, you shift your thinking, everyone believes in, then suddenly you can make some really big changes. And that's why it's
1: worth worth so. I mean, our part in this is looking at the landscape, seeing how the different bits fit together and extracting the most viable story to tell people yeah. to help stimulate something because we can't do anything, yeah. but we've already, I mean, with your support, this has been passed around and is generating a degree of interest that we weren't expecting.
2: Yeah. it's really cool. Isn't it? And I think, but,
3: uh, yeah, that's I was just going to say the one thing then that we, we can do is we can do our part. And if our part is helping communicate things better, then let's do that. We can't do everything, but yeah. we can do that.
1: We're very virtuous. <laughs>
2: But it is a cool paper, I think if we could share it. And certainly there's some conversation we're going to have in the coming weeks and months. But it is, I think, as you said, what's not to like? I mean, it's a it's a it's a process that that you know that looks at how we try and maximize the benefits in a way that actually fits within the financial system we've got. So we're not we're not asking government for billions and billions of pounds. We're not asking we're not even asking uh, consumers to pay tens of thousands of pounds. There's a there's a cycle here which I think is equitable for everyone.
1: Yeah I mean perversely it's a mixture of socialism and capitalism inextricably linked like a double helix yeah it. It
2: is, yeah. It but, uh, is.
1: yeah it's 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 baffling in how apposite it is yeah uh like yeah it's it's absolutely fabulous
2: well, listen, guys. Thanks for your time. It's been really, really good. And if we can, we'll, we'll see if we can maybe share some of the details and what we're going to be doing over the coming weeks and months. But it's a really exciting time, and I think I think this is a pivotal moment. It's a pivot moment. I said that to Andy Simmons the other day, and I think there's lots of us need to work together in, in an altruistic way. If that's the right, the right, the, the right phrase. Because I think if we don't see that narrative we're talking about, Alec, I think if you don't convey that narrative in the next six months, I think it's a, a missed opportunity, because others will, and it won't be as it won't be as viable solution and my big concern is we don't have to go back in five years time and retrofit retrofits
1: yes yeah well yeah we need to set the terms of the debate yeah what we can right now
2: yeah 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 but that's a cool place to be if you're actually if you're controlling the narrative for a positive outcome that's a good place you're in
1: yeah and i think if we can try and instigate something within the uk potentially ireland uh, with jeff's connections yeah. Like this is uh, a philosophy that could easily be exported. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's a, a global concern. So.
2: Yeah. yeah. And I think, yeah, I think the next thing you have to do is come up with a concept for it in terms of the name. So it was born in Glasgow and cop. So there has to be something around that, you know, I'm going to go for the Glasgow protocol, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, guys, pleasure as always. And uh, we'll speak soon.
1: Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, just one last shameless plug. If, Shouldn't. uh, our website is everythingisuserexperience.com. Uh people are welcome. Like we're happy to talk to anyone about any of this stuff. Uh and yeah. we run free half hour clinics. So if even if you don't have a budget to talk about these sorts of communications issues, yeah. noises is up. Uh we're happy to have a chat. Give us present us with a problem, or we'll give you some solutions pretty quickly.
2: Yeah. Uh, and I th- I think just to echo that, I think I think working in the construction sector, you, you tend to find we all come from a well, a lot of us come if you're not an architect, you come from a trade, you come from a project manager, you come from a construction background. And I think what we see in our industry is lots of really great ideas that aren't articulated and you have to really labor your way really to get through them. So, you know, anyone that's that's listening just now, um, I'd encourage you to get in, in touch with uh, yeah. Dan and
1: I'm not just a suit either. I've worked in demolition, like that's right so you have yeah so i've done i've lived many lives not just the magazine publishing i've done an awful lot of
2: different things you've worn the boots mate you've worn the boots you still got
1: i've still got the calluses (laughs)
2: listen guys pleasure take it easy
1: thank you take care Bye. Bye,